0: Thanks, Nikki. Good morning again, everybody. As Andrew has said, we've been uh, looking through the the letter of James and uh, the title for our series has been Faith in Action, thinking about the fact that uh, as Christian people who believe certain things, uh, we actually need to put that faith into action and true faith will result in action, uh, not just a statement about what we believe. And uh, James continues that theme uh, today in this passage and the key question uh, that he looks at today is how do you know a wise person when you see one? How do you know a wise person when you see one? Now obviously a beard and wrinkles is going to help you, okay? Not to mention a a, a cloak and a staff, okay? (laughs) But um, uh, if people don't have those things, how do you identify... Uh, a wise person. In a little over a a month, we're going to elect a federal government and uh, we're going to uh, vote for people, uh, to put people in place to lead our country and make decisions on our behalf. Decisions about financial systems, about the treatment of refugees, about international relations, about welfare, health, education, employment and many other things as well. None of those decisions are simple things. They require great wisdom and great insight. So it's a good question, isn't it? How do you know a wise person when you see one? Now, of course, it's one thing to look at other people and to say wise or unwise with regard to them, particularly those in public office. But James wants us also to consider ourselves this morning to ask the same questions of ourselves. How do I know if I am wise? What does true wisdom look like in my own life? Is wisdom something that I value? Do I desire wisdom and seek after it? And how do I know if I've got it? Wisdom is one of those things that I don't think we value particularly highly in our contemporary Western society. It's probably more valued in other societies than our own. Um, If you ask a person, do you want to be healthy? Yes. Do you want to be wealthy? Oh yeah. (laughs) Do you want to be wise? Not so sure what answers we'd get to that. And yet, it's true, isn't it, that when we see wisdom in other people, when we see someone who just has that depth of knowledge and character and experience and is able to bring those resources to bear in really tricky, complex situations, they know what to do. It's a deeply appealing trait, isn't it, when you see it lived out in someone's life. And when we experience that, I think on those occasions we think, yes, yes, I would like to be wise. That's something that I would want to seek after. And the Bible places a very high value on wisdom and encourages us to seek after it. And James has some very helpful things to teach us if we're thinking about being wise. He contrasts in this passage, and you would have noticed this as Nikki was reading it, true wisdom from false wisdom. And uh, all the way through the passage, he's contrasting um, true and false wisdom And he breaks it down into sort of three questions. Where does true wisdom as opposed to false wisdom come from? What motivates true wisdom as opposed to false wisdom? And what's the result of true wisdom as opposed to false wisdom? So that's the way that I want to tackle it with you this morning. Uh, Feel free to grab the Bibles that are in the pews uh, to look along. Check that what I'm saying is actually coming from the Bible because that's what we want to be looking at and learning from together. Um, And the first question that James asks is, where does true wisdom come from? Where does true wisdom come from? And twice in the passage, it's there in verse 15 and verse 17, he describes true wisdom as coming from heaven. Other Bible translations say it comes from above, but the idea is the same, that true wisdom actually comes from God. He's the source and he's the one who grants wisdom. In fact, James has already made this point in his letter for those who have been here through the series, you might remember that in James chapter 1, verse 5, he said this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Wisdom's a gift from God. He's the source of true wisdom. And what James is saying here is consistent with what we read about wisdom throughout the whole Bible. In fact, probably the key phrase about wisdom that you find in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, it's repeated on numerous occasions, is this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear doesn't mean sort of quaking in your boots and being frightened of God. It's about revering God, being in awe of God, treating God as God and giving him his rightful place as the King of all things. And this uh, statement, often repeated, tells us that you can't be truly wise if you don't do that, if you don't acknowledge God and give him his rightful place. It's a bit of a challenge, isn't it, to hear that and some of you uh, might be very challenged by that today. In fact, some people might be offended by that statement to hear it said that you can't be wise apart from God and acknowledging God as God. But think through the logic here. If it is in fact true that there is a God, If God is real, God exists, Uh, the God who is responsible for making the world, uh, making us as people and uh, setting up the world to function in certain ways, a God who not only made us but knows us intimately, loves us deeply, cares for the way that we live, that's the fundamental reality of the world. If that is true and real and the way that the world works, then to live your life independently of God, ignoring him, pretending that he doesn't exist, treating him as irrelevant for day-to-day life, lacks wisdom, doesn't it? Because it's out of step with the way that the world truly is, at its fundamental core. How can we truly know ourselves? How can we know our place in the world? How can we know how to live well in the world apart from the God who made us and loves us and cares for what we do? James is going to push us even further on this because in his contrast between true wisdom that comes from heaven and false wisdom, he'll say that false wisdom is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. Now, he's contrasting deliberately here. He's talking about wisdom from heaven as opposed to wisdom from earth, spiritual wisdom that comes from God as opposed to as opposed to unspiritual wisdom. But it's that last contrast that really greats with us, isn't it? How can you say that this, this other wisdom is demonic? And I think it makes us uncomfortable because when we sort of think of the word demonic or think about demons, we, we have the movie The Exorcist in mind or something like that. We're thinking about spinning heads and people vomiting in the face of a priest. Um, we think of spooky things when we hear that word. But I don't think James has got that in mind at all. He's, he's talking by describing this as demonic as something which is opposed to God with the way that God works and the way that God treats people. And he'll fill that out as he goes on. You see it throughout the passage that he's contrasting that You know, God's wisdom is other person-centred as opposed to self-centred. Godly wisdom wants to build people up as opposed to divide them and tear them down. And if you think about forces that are opposed to God, uh, demonic forces, and um, we've had promises in the baptism to... You know, um, renounce Satan and all that is evil uh, in our baptism service. These sorts of things have opposite goals in mind. Um, They want people to reject God. They want people to think only of themselves at the expense of others and ultimately they want to destroy people rather than to see people thrive in a life with God. That's the sort of false wisdom that James is talking about and you do see that sort of wisdom around us in our world. Um, Donald Trump, who may well be the next president of the the United States of America, has been spouting wisdom, okay, inverted commas, but wisdom which has a certain earthly appeal to it, doesn't it? Um, So there's this problem, there's an influx of Mexicans coming into the United States. How are we going to deal with this complex problem? Trump's solution, build a whopping big wall, Uh, to block them coming in and get the Mexicans to pay for it. You might remember that this proposal led to a rebuke from Pope Francis, um, the Pope, who said, a person who thinks only of building walls anywhere rather than building bridges is not a Christian. And it led to this furor, how can you say that this is not Christian, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you can talk about that one over coffee after the service. But the point is that there is this sort of worldly wisdom, isn't it? This, this kind of ideas we can, we can solve this problem in this sort of way and it, it sounds appealing, but it actually promotes fear, it denigrates people, it's, it's a selfish approach, it's a protective approach. And you could ask the question, are these sorts of things from God? If something promotes fear and denigrates people, if it's all about ourselves at the expense of others, is that of God or is it opposed to God and what he values? And if so, where does that come from, that sort of thinking? James has very clear view on this. But again, the take-home point is that if you want to be wise, then the starting point is God. If you want to know yourself, who you truly are, if you want to know the best way to live, then we need to be in a living relationship with the one who made us and shows us how to, how to live. True wisdom comes from above. And God's promise that if we lack wisdom... We should ask him and he'll give it to us. I've said on numerous occasions that uh, this is something that I pray for regularly. I need wisdom. If I'm going to be a good husband, a good dad, if I'm going to uh, be a good leader of this church, uh, a good friend to those around me, then I need wisdom. And so often I feel like I lack the wisdom that I need and so it's something that I pray for regularly and ask God for. I say, God, I'm not sure what to do in this situation. I feel like I need your wisdom. Please make me wise. And it's great that God promises that that prayer is one that he will honour and answer if we ask him to give us wisdom. So true wisdom comes from God. That's James' first point. But his second point is that true wisdom concerns um, the heart and it's motivated by our character, particularly humility. So his point in verse 13 is that true wisdom is motivated by humility, whereas false wisdom is motivated by envy and selfish ambition. He says that twice, that's in verse 14 and verse 16. Now this might surprise you about wisdom, because often we think that wisdom is about being clever. Okay? It's about what we know and having the right answers for situations. But in the Bible, the uh, true wisdom is is about character, primarily. It's about who we are more than what we know. It's about what motivates our actions more than what we actually do, the actions that we perform. So James's contrast is important. False wisdom, he said, is motivated by envy and selfish ambition, both of which are self-focused and are about promoting ourselves Ahead of others. Uh, envy is when you compare yourself to another person and you don't like the comparison because they come out better than you and you resent them for it because uh, whatever they've got or whoever they are, um, they're ahead of you in your estimation and you don't like it. It's a very destructive uh, thing, envy, because it's directed at the person and uh, feeling that you want them to come down, really, to your level. You can't speak about envy because if you voice the fact that you think this other person is better than you, that raises them even higher, doesn't it, in terms of the the honour and the esteem that they have. So you must remain silent right, and keep it inside yourself and really what it leads you to do is just to really wish evil upon the other person and hope that their downfall will come so that they'll be brought down to you. This is a bit of a sad characteristic of Australian culture, I think. We have what we call the tall poppy syndrome. We don't like people who are a bit too good and we rejoice when they are sort of brought down or shown to be not as good as they were thought to be brought down to our level. Selfish ambition, as the name suggests, is about seeking our own goals primarily, even if they come at the expense of others. And a lot of so-called wisdom are driven by these things, a desire to be better than other people and to lift ourselves above other people. But James says that true wisdom is motivated entirely differently. True wisdom is motivated by humility, which is the desire to serve other people and to elevate other people's concerns ahead of our own. Now, that's the sort of thing that, you know, to talk in that way, to be wise is, you know, to serve other people, to lift them up, to uh, lose things so that they might gain things. People say, well, that's, that's not wisdom, that's, that's stupidity. You know, if you don't look out for number one, who is going to look out for number one? And yet humility is a key Christian virtue. We look at Jesus and humility is something that is named as one of the key characteristics of uh, Jesus, who is our Lord and Saviour as Christian people. His entire mission was to come and give up his life by dying on the cross so that people could have their sins forgiven he himself stated his mission as one who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the one who bent down on his feet and washed the dirty, filthy, crappy feet of his disciples and said to them, this is leadership, this is what you are to do, do likewise as I have done for you. So humility and our character is all about uh, what, motive, what should motivate true wisdom. And if we want to be wise, then what we need to do is examine our heart and look at our own life and work on our character. It's interesting, isn't it, that this focus on character and wisdom, uh, particularly this area of humility, has been rediscovered recently in the business world, uh, especially as people in business have thought about, well, what does what good leadership actually look like? So Jim Collins' uh, book, Good to Great, which has become a bit of a text in the business world. Um, In this book he analyses leaders of companies who have taken what were good companies and made them really great companies, outperforming their competitors, having a sort of longevity and success that goes on for years following their leadership. And he asks the question, what are the two characteristics, or what are the key characteristics of these leaders? Two things he comes up with. Fierce professional resolve and humility. And he acknowledges that these these two things are kind of paradoxical. Um, These are people who are utterly determined, they've got a clear vision and they know where the company needs to go and they'll stick to the plan through thick and thin, that's professional resolve. But at the same time, these people are incredibly humble. It's not about them, they don't big note themselves. When things go wrong, they look in the mirror at where the problem is with themselves rather than pointing the finger and blaming other people. And they build the company up and it outlasts them because it's not about them. It's not based on their prestige and who they are as uh, the big boss. So what James highlights here about wisdom, saying it's about your character and it's about being humble rather than being envious and selfish, actually works. And 2,000 years later, Um, business leaders are writing books about it. Maybe they could have just gone to the book of James. But if you're looking to be a wise leader, or if you're looking to find one who is a wise leader, James says examine the heart, look at the character. What's motivating what's going on here? Is it really about you or is it about other people? Is it about your prestige or about serving people and building others up? Because true wisdom is motivated by humility seeking the good of others, if you want to be wise, work on your character. Work on your humility and selflessness in the way that you live. So true wisdom comes from God and it's motivated by a character of humility. James's third point is that wisdom leads to good deeds. There's a big point again for James. James is saying constantly, faith must lead to action. And he says here, Do you think that you are wise? Have we got a wise person amongst us, he says? Then show it. Show it by the way that you live. Show it by the good deeds that you do. Again, I think this highlights a common misconception about wisdom. We often think wisdom is about intelligence. It's about what we know and uh, the wise person is the intelligent person who knows stuff. But in the Bible, wisdom is about applied knowledge. It's about knowing what to do in real life situations, complex, messy, cut and thrust of life situations, knowing what to do and actually doing it. Uh, I was going for a bushwalk yesterday afternoon as part of our uh, church's sort of Sabbath 6 to 6, enjoying God's creation yesterday afternoon. And I was walking with um, Neil Barris and I was complaining about my legs because they were really hurting as I was going down hills. And I was, I was saying to Neil, yeah, I went for a run yesterday afternoon. It's the first in a while, and you know I'm really sore. And uh, Neil said to me, "Did you stretch before you ran?" I said, "No." And he said, "Did you know that you were supposed to stretch before you went for a run?" Yes. He said. I guess that demonstrates the difference between knowledge and wisdom, then, doesn't it? <laughs> I know I'm supposed to stretch, but I didn't do it. Was I wise? No. Wisdom's about putting the knowledge that you have into practice, isn't it? And sometimes the most intelligent people, not saying bad about myself, but uh, sometimes the most intelligent people. Lack wisdom. I've worked in a university department. I can vouch that that one is true. Wisdom needs to be put into action, James says. You actually need to apply the knowledge that you have. And again, he draws the contrast between true wisdom and false wisdom by looking at the actions that flow. You can look at you know, what people actually do to tell whether they're truly wise or not. He says, False wisdom leads to disorder and every evil practice. Verse 16. Disorder is you know, people being divided against each other. Um, and it's a natural fruit, isn't it? If, if you're driven by envy and selfish ambition, then um, it's going to lead to fights amongst people, it's going to lead to divisions, uh, and that's not true wisdom, James says. Every evil practice covers, well, every evil practice. I mean, if so-called wisdom is all about me, and it's about me meeting my ends, at the expense of other people, then there'll be no limits, will there, to the sorts of evil that will be perpetrated and then justified. When it becomes all about me, people just become pawns who are there to serve my ends. And you see this all the time, don't you? A scandal sort of breaks, a big company goes bust. They sort of look in uh, more deeply at the executives and the board and they see that all sorts of dodgy stuff was going on, financial papers being uh, fixed to make the company look better, money being moved to offshore private accounts, people being bullied to silence them from speaking. And you think to yourself, how, how did this happen? How did people ever think that they could justify these sorts of actions and think it was reasonable? And the answer is, well, it didn't start like that. It started small with little compromises, but people were driven by their own ambition, selfish ambition, um, and it grew and grew and justified a whole range of evil practices. True wisdom doesn't look like that and doesn't lead to those sorts of actions, James says. And he gives this wonderful description there in verse 17. Here's the list that he gives us of what true wisdom looks like and leads to. He says it's pure, that is it's uncontaminated by evil. I think the next slide there, Bruce, has these words up there. He says it's peace-loving, that is it places a high premium on relationships and harmony in relationships. In fact, this point about peace is so important to James that he goes back to it in verse 18 and he says it's not enough only to be peace lovers. Wise people are peacemakers. People who don't just love peace but work for peace to bring reconciliation and to work within relationships to put them right. Not letting conflict fester like an open wound. Not simply avoiding other people because it's too hard but loving peace and making peace because Harmony in relationships is so important. Wisdom is considerate, giving regard to the needs of others. Wisdom is submissive, being willing to give in to others and elevate their needs above your own. Wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. And in the context of James, I think he's particularly drawing attention to a point that he's hit again and again, caring for the needs of the poor and the marginalised. It's impartial. It's opposed to favouritism, but giving opportunities to everyone. It's sincere. It's not hypocritical. It's not two-faced. What is said is meant, and it's backed up in practice. Now, when you look at that that list, that group of words, it's a pretty attractive list, isn't it? How would it be if those standing for election could go down the list and put a tick against every single one of those things? That would be someone that I would vote for. But again, James isn't just doing this so that we can point the fingers at others and see how they fall short. He wants us to examine our own lives and to say, how do we go on that sort of list? Can we put a tick against the things on that list? Am I doing them? Are they characteristic of my life? Would other people look at my life and say, yes, he or she is doing those things and I see that. That is is the way that they live out their lives. Because that's what true wisdom looks like. It's practical, it's real and you should be able to see it in our lives. Again, James' question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding amongst you? Let them show it by the good life that they live, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. If we want to be truly wise, we need to recognise that wisdom comes from God and ask him for it. We need to focus on our character and be motivated by humility rather than envy and selfish ambition. And we actually need to put it into practice. Wisdom needs to result in good deeds that we do in the service of others. So let me pray for us for each of these things. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to be wise people who have a true wisdom that comes from you. Thank you for the promise that you give us that if we ask you for wisdom you will grant it to us and we do pray that you would make us wise people and give us the wisdom that comes from you. We pray that you would continue to work on our hearts, our character by your Holy Spirit, make us people who are humble and willing to serve other people and we pray that we would be able to see the fruit of wisdom in our lives, that the deeds we do would be truly wise, would be in the service of others, and building other people up and caring for them. And we pray this too uh, for those who are leaders in our society and in our churches, that you would grant true wisdom to each of them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.